Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode one of the Hideous Laughter podcast. My name is Griffin, and I'm the GM of this show. I'm so excited you decided to give us a listen and can't wait for you to experience the very first episode of our very first show. As I'm recording this intro, it's actually February in 2021, long enough after this episode premiered in August of 2018 that we thought it warranted an extra preamble to the beginning of our audio adventure together for new and repeat listeners alike. A little bit about the show before you dive in. We're playing Paizo's gothic horror adventure path, Carrion Crown. We pride ourselves on our audio quality from day one, but through the support of our listeners, we've been able to improve our equipment and editing over the years to bring you a show where every episode is more polished than the last. We embrace the crunch of Pathfinder and deliver a game with solid rules knowledge and where the stakes are real. Our goal is to make you, the listener, feel like you're at the table for every step of our journey, from the highest highs to the lowest lows. A lot has changed in the two and a half years since we launched this show. We've added on to our story with special evil interlude episodes that give you a glimpse into the background of the adventure. We've also launched a bi-weekly show called Zone of Truth, where we dive behind the GM screen on our own story, as well as interview other members of the tabletop community. Our Patreon features another show, the Link Legacy Podcast, where we play through classic Pathfinder modules with a rotating cast and rotating GMs. We have no plans on slowing down when it comes to content, and listeners like you spreading the word about our network helps us grow even faster. Speaking of network, we're calling our group of shows Hideous Laughter Productions, and we're official partners of Paizo, the creators of Pathfinder. After listening, we hope that you join our community, the Carrion Crowd, as we continue to grow together and game together. Once again, thank you for joining us on this adventure. It's been a truly amazing ride, and we can't reiterate enough just how important your listens, kind words, and support are to us. Without further ado, welcome to episode one of the Hideous Laughter podcast, Hams and Harrows. and things that go boom, then buckle up, listener, because this one's for you. Prepare yourself for the Hideous Laughter Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Hideous Laughter Podcast. My name is Griffin Norman. I'm going to be your host, your game master. So let me tell you a little bit about the podcast. Besides the fact that we're super glad for you listening, you may or may not be new to Pathfinder, and we are a Pathfinder actual play podcast. Uh, What Pathfinder is, is it's basically an offshoot of Dungeons & Dragons. It's basically the more rules-heavy, more complicated versions of D&D. So D&D split off on 3rd edition into Pathfinder as we know it and D&D 4th edition, D&D 5th edition. We're playing Pathfinder. We like the rules. We like the adventure paths. Speaking of adventure paths, we are playing the Carrion Crown Adventure Path by Paizo. We're super excited to play it. It's a gothic horror campaign. Uh, We're going to have a lot of fun with it. So I'd like to introduce all of my players now, but before I do that, I want everybody to Tell me your name and what you're drinking. Hi, Griffin. I'm Steve. Um, I'm drinking a hams today. Mm. 
from the land of sky blue waters. Hi, Griffin. I'm Brooks. How are you today? I'm doing all right, Brooks. I am drinking White Claw. White Claw, what flavor? Natural lime. Uh, that's, uh, that's a good one. Um, I am Haley, and I'm drinking sangria. Yum. Hi, I'm Emily, and I'm drinking a wine spritzer. We got some sophisticated taste over here. I'm Griffin, and I'm drinking some bourbon. So uh, I'd like to go around the circle, guys, and uh, maybe we can tell the listeners a little bit about ourselves, a little bit about what we do for a living and our day jobs, and then give me some of your uh, Pathfinder experience. How long have you been playing? What adventure paths have you run? That kind of thing. And then maybe just tell us what your character's name is. How's that? I think that's a great idea. All right. Well, we'll start with you, Steve. Cool. Glad I spoke up. All right. So let's see. I am in global trade compliance. That's what I do for a living. Basically, I help move freight all around the world and make sure that there's no customs restrictions when we're, you know, bringing all kinds of stuff all over the place. Um, As far as... Pathfinder experience goes Brooks, Emily, myself, and one of our buddies, uh, Tim, we have been playing Rise of the Rune Lords for a very long time. We're in book six. I think we're currently like 16th and 17th level. Uh, we've been playing for probably about two and a half years. It's been a long time. I'm also a couple people in the room uh, play Starfinder together, so I'll, I'll, let, I'll let Haley tell you about that later. Okay. Brooks, how about you? I am a lab tech and uh, as far as Pathfinder goes, I was very new to it. I still am pretty uh, pretty new to it in the sense of not knowing some of the rules, but you are here to help me out on that, I guess. Yep, I think I'll, uh, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. <laughs> Brooks has been playing literally for just as long as Emily and myself. <laughs> He's been very playing Pathfinder. Pretty new. Pretty new. Still pretty new. Still pretty new. <laughs> All right. Not new rules. <laughs> okay, cool. Uh, Haley? Uh, yeah, so my title is Value Stream Improvement Champion. Uh, basically, I work, I work for a ceiling and wall tile manufacturer, and I'm in charge of the uh, lean and improvements around the plant. As far as Pathfinder experience, I've had about three or four years of running different, ad- or not running, but being in different adventures, and I currently GM our Starfinder campaign, and then my character name is Eclipse. Oh, you're the only one that did that. Thank you, Haley. Oh, oh. cool. I remembered. I wrote it down. Oh, right. nice. <laughs> we'll circle back to the boys. My name's Emily. I am a graduate student. I am studying food science and technology, specifically food microbiology. So I try to keep food uh, safe to eat and not spoiled. I've been playing Pathfinder for just as long as Brooks and Steve doing Rise of the Rune Lords. And so I'm excited to get to try a new adventure path and a new character. And my character this time is Lyra. Okay. Back to the boys. What's the name of your characters, guys? I think I gave pretty clear instructions. You know what, Griffin? I'm just so nervous. I'm so excited. Yeah, you know, I can see any, you shaking anything, like a leaf. Any, anything could happen in the next two hours. <laughs> uh, my character's name is Matumbe. Okay. What about you, Brooks? My character's name is Ikmer or Ick for short. Okay, perfect. Um, so my name's Griffin. I'm going to be the game master for this Pathfinder actual play podcast, uh, and I'm super excited about it. I work in finance. Uh, As you can plainly hear, none of us uh, are in the creative sphere. 
Uh, so we're going to do our best to give you guys a uh, fun and out-of-the-box podcast. Just remember, we got three science nerds, a number cruncher, and a dude that cares about trade compliance. So definitely the liveliest bunch you'll ever hear from. <laughs> as far as my Pathfinder experience goes, I've been playing for as long as Haley. We had a Skulls and Shackles campaign that went for about four books in two years. I ran Rise of the Rune Lords for two books. We're currently playing Starfinder with Haley. What are we, like half a book into Iron Fang Invasion? Uh, I've ran many, many modules. Some of the characters from which hopefully you'll hear voices from as we progress through this fun adventure path. So without further ado, why don't we jump into it? You guys ready for that? Here we go. All right. Sounds delightful. Okay, so the first thing I'll ask is... The beginning of the adventure takes place in a small village in Ustalav. Now, Ustalav is the is a continent in the Inner Sea region of Galarian, which is basically the main world of Pathfinder. The Inner Sea region being basically Eurasia. Ustalav is basically the Russia analog, if you want to think of it that way. Now, Ustalav has a bunch of provinces, a bunch of little towns. Ravengro being this small city that used to basically be used to sustain the biggest prison in the country. You guys are visiting because you've been summoned by a woman named Kendra Lorimore. She has asked each of you to bear witness to her father's funeral, and she's begging that each of you come there. Uh, Her dad was, and all of your characters know her father, but he was basically this eccentric, super intelligent wizardly man that explored the world and made a bunch of friends along the way, your characters being some of those friends. So you've gotten a personal invitation to come and pay your respects. So why don't, at this point, we get into where your characters are from and uh, how they got themselves to Ravengrow, and then we can kind of start building uh, what you guys are doing and what's going on. Does that sound good? Yeah. Okay, cool. So, Steve, how how did Matumbe come to Ustalav and in, spe- in particular Ravengro? Yeah, sure. So Matumbe is here for the funeral, just like everybody else. Uh, Matumbe is originally from the Mwangi Expanse. For those of you who are unfamiliar, the Mwangi Expanse is the Pathfinder analog to um, like South or Central America combined with a little uh, Central Africa. So jungles, savannas, the stuff you'd see in movies like Congo or Apocalyptica. Um, Ooh, that's spooky. (laughs) That is spooky. Love that response. Um, Matumbe met Professor Lorimore on one of Professor Lorimore's expeditions into the Mwangi Expanse. Uh, Professor Lorimore um, got very sick. He came down with malaria uh, or they like to call it jungle fever, and Matumbe helped uh, helped help help nurse him back to health and s- save him. And in in response, uh, you know, Professor Lorimore kind of owed him a life debt. And at the end of Professor Moore, Lorimore's life, uh, one of his last, I guess, one of his la- in his last will and testament, he summoned Matumbe for the funeral. Okay. What about you, Brooks? How did Ikmer get here? Ikmer is here for the uh, professor's funeral. He, um, number one, is a half-orc. 
he uh, met the professor through his job, which is a caravan escort. And during that time, he saved the professor's life. And in that time, he, the professor gave Ikmer a broken long spear. And with that, Ikmer thought that that meant a lot to him. And through that, he was uh, connected. To the professor? To the professor. Awesome. Okay, Haley, why is Eclipse here? Yeah, so uh, Eclipse didn't actually know the professor, but um, her dad knew the professor, and he he passed away recently, so the invitation was actually for her dad and um, family members. So basically, uh, Eclipse packed her bags, grabbed her dad's battle axe for protection, and headed off on her way because she doesn't have a whole lot left. Thought this would start new. So Lyra is here for the funeral. Uh, she was born into a cult in a coastal city, but doesn't really remember much about her time there because she was rescued at a pretty young age um, and was then cared for by a devout follower of Erastil. She lived a simple but a good life there. Um, Professor Mo- Lorimore kept in touch with her and helped her keep her nightmares at bay. Um, and she will now miss his friendship and support after his passing. Okay. So, so you guys I guess, all, I guess it should be noted that Ikmer was uh, very poor growing up. And so a broken long spear and it's like a good weapon. Was for actually, him. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you guys all, all your characters at this point have made their way to Raven grow the, the town where Lorimore lived uh, and where his funeral is taking place. Um, in the note that Kendra sent you, she does mention that she's going to be busy the night before the funeral, as you can imagine. So she recommends that you stay at a inn called the Outward Inn. So if your characters make their way there, we can um, we can get cracking. Does it have any relation to the bar Outer Inn? No, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a good call, though. Um, so. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so I assume your characters uh, make their way to the to the end. Um, uh, does one of you enter first? I guess uh, Ikmer, uh, he wouldn't be overly afraid to walk in, but being uh, quite a tall half-orc, he stands out all by himself, even though he... Uh, tries to make himself small hunches over and uh, tries to find a, as, uh, as few people as possible and hide out. So, so he's, uh, he's like this kind of big gangly dude walking into the bar and trying to make himself look like he's a, he's a dwarf or something walking into the corner of the room and sitting down. Exactly. He would uh, prefer to be somewhere less, uh, less populated, but uh, he's, not afraid to get what he wants, I guess. And then the, the bartender, she's, she's this, uh, she's this kind of like middle-aged woman. And, uh, she calls out to Ick as he walks in and she's like, you there, I've, I've seen 
Half-orcs your age? You don't look like you're old enough to be in here. Well, I, I'm i just trying to stay the night. I, I'm here for your funeral, so... Uh, my funeral? What? What no, is this? It's no, not my I'm funeral. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not your, not your funeral, uh, uh, the professor. Oh, Professor Lorimore. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, he's... Um, I'll be attending as well, so um, if you'd like to sit down, I could get you a cup of water or something. Uh, uh, yes, please. All right, it's on the house. Go over in the corner. Don't don't be sitting at the bar. Okay. All right. And so Ickmer goes over to the corner, and he's uh, he's sitting over there, but he can't really help but notice there's this guy in a big kind of flashy cloak sitting in the corner of the room. And he's he's got this deck of beautiful cards, and they're they're almost the size of the palm of his hand. And he's currently sitting with um, with what looks like a townswoman, and he's laying these cards out in front of her. And uh, he seems to be saying stuff, and he's getting excited over in the corner of the room. So Igmar, I imagine, is like is like watching this guy, and he's his interest is probably peaked, especially if he's at the bar, kind of sitting and waiting to go to bed. Very true. Uh, he doesn't have the highest uh, intelligence score. <laughs> no. So, uh, so pretty much anything uh, flashy, somewhat interesting would pique his interest. Okay. So, um, so at this point, uh, I think the next person likely enters the bar. Yeah. Um, Eclipse is pretty excited to get out. She hasn't seen a whole lot of the world. Um, she's pretty small, so actually, uh, she's small and has some gray skin, so to cover that, she's generally wearing a cloak pretty far over her face, has the battle axe on her back, and kind of walks in the bar, a little wide-eyed, looking around. She hasn't seen, hasn't been in a place like this much. She kind of was a homebody and, and was really stuck in the small village she was in, so, uh, this is a pretty new experience, just going into a bar. And you can tell, like... The bar's not as full as a, a well, maybe maybe E can't tell since she's not a big bar goer, but this bar is not bumping. It's, you know, there's a, there's a couple, what you can imagine are, you know, regulars, and, and there's this half-orc kid sitting in the corner of the room staring at a guy in the corner. Um, so as you walk in, the bartender's really paying attention to new patrons, so she's like, Oh, you over there, um, halfling a child. Put that cloak down. Neither. I'm, I'm, I'm not a halfling, and I'm not a kid. All right. Well, how old are you? I'm like 50. All right. You want a drink? Do you have an ID? Uh, no ID, um, but I would like a drink. Okay. What are you, what are you having? I guess a mug of uh, ale. All right, all right. And she uh, she kind of side-eyes you, and she, she gives you the mug of ale, and she's like, I'll be one copper. And, and Eclipse will pay her. Okay. And she um, she's kind of looking at you. She knows, I mean, she knows the locals here, so finally she kind of works herself up to ask, what are you doing here, Lloyd? We don't get visitors in Ravencrow. Um, my, my dad was a, a companion of Professor Lomar, so I'm here for that funeral. Ah, Laura Moore seems to be a popular man at this bar tonight. Well, 
have a drink, drown your sorrows. Um, I'll put it on your tab whenever you need a new one. And with that, you're kind of sitting at the bar, and I imagine this guy in the corner is still making this real big show of doing a, doing a Harrow reading. And so it's hard with so few people in the bar not to notice him. So I imagine you're probably watching as well as um, Motumbe enters the bar. All right, so when Matumbe enters the bar, especially if the bar's not bumping, as they say, um, he's someone who you're going to notice. I cast uh, Matumbe as Shaquille O'Neal, so he's about seven feet tall, and there's a lot of muscle on those bones. Um, <laughs> a lot of muscle? Oh, these yeah. Days? <laughs> oh, these days, <laughs> <Okay>. too. <laughs> um, I mean, there's a healthy uh, coating of uh, got a healthy padding beef, over beef the... Tomb. Yeah, absolutely. What race is he? Um, he's human. So he's he's a, he's an extraordinarily dark skinned human who is wearing armor actually that's made of horn like sheep or goat horn, um, and over that he's wearing a cl- like a half cloak half tunic. I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, any of the Assassin's Creed games, but the newest one, um, Origins, the 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 main character is wearing this like kind of. Um, it's like dirty white tunic over his regular clothes. That's like half hooded, only covers part of his body, and that's kind of what I envision Matuba is wearing. So Matuba is wearing like a poncho, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, actually, that's, 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 okay. yeah. that's, that sounds about that's right. That's pretty apt. Okay. Um, and on his back, he's got a big wooden shield, and he is carrying a large iron-bound book that has a big old spiral on the uh, on the cover. On the cover. Okay. Uh, so Matuba comes in, and this woman again addresses him and she's like but you're a tall drink of water aren't you and that is exactly what i will be ordering tonight ma'am hey what kind what kind of accent is that i am from the mwongi expanse ah, i couldn't tell you, you fit right in here in Ravengrow. your sarcasm is noted <laughs> i'm surprised you know sarcasm you know common well I will be drinking away from the bar tonight, madam. I would appreciate if we do not speak again. All right, all right. You take your drink and you go sulk in the corner. <laughs> Why don't you go pay attention to that little half-orc boy? So Matumbe does actually walk over to the table with the half-orc and the question mark? I think Eclipse said she was at the bar. Is yeah. That- oh, okay. I'm I sorry. I stayed at the bar. Okay, so I will be, I'll, I'm going to walk over and... Um, I'm not going to sit down at the table quite yet, but be standing over it and look down at Ikmer. And Matumbe is going to say, you appear to be a traveler in these parts. I have not seen a lot of half-orcs on my journey in Ustilav. I imagine you're here for the exact same reason I am. Well, well, I, I guess I'm uh, originally from my northwest Ustilav, but, uh, uh, yeah... I'm probably here for that. I don't really... I mean, I'm here for the funeral. If that is the case, would you mind if I took a seat at your table? Uh, uh... Okay, if you don't mind sitting next to... to, to me... Matumbe looks around, probably sees a lot of deserted tables. Yep, yep. And, and a lot of people that he does not want to sit by. And recognizing that there's a fellow traveler who's here for this exact same reason that he's going to be seeing tomorrow at the funeral, he's going to sit down um, and strike up a conversation with Ikmer. Okay, so as you two are doing that, uh, I imagine Lyra, being the fourth and final party member, enters the door. Yeah, so Lyra will enter a little bit cautiously, a little nervous, but also excited. She grew up in 
smaller towns. So she's never really been in a tavern, even if it's not super busy, it's still more people than she's used to seeing mm -hmm. um, all gathering in one space. Um, but she still kind of knows what to do. So she'll walk up to the bar. Okay. So she walks up to the bar and uh, the bartender just comes up to her and says, let me guess here for Laura Moore, are you? You have a face I haven't seen around here. Wow, do you have the gift of sight? Oh uh, yeah, ESPN, baby. Why don't you have a, a drink if you're drinking? Otherwise, go sit at a table. Yeah, I had a, like a glass of water. And if do you have salt here too? I'll take some salt. Or, all right, <laughs> fucking weirdo. Here's some salt. You want it in the water? Yeah, just a little bit. Okay, enjoy yourself. Thanks. And so, um, does the confrontational bartender? <laughs> well, I mean, these are pretty weird requests. Yeah, can I come to your bar? Uh, can I sit at the bar? No, hi, I'm a weird Yang person that you've probably never seen. Can I have a drink? You look like a toddler. Hi, can I have salt in my water? No, the only one who looks like they can drink. Orders water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah but it looks like you could drink, but she's like, I don't know if I have the kind of shit your country serves. Oh, jeez. I mean, there is ESPN. There is ESPN. <laughs> so, I, th I, th I think in Pathfinder, ESPN means like ESP and more. And more, yeah. yeah because and ESPN, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. ESPNs, actually. I forgot the S. Yeah. No, you're good. So, so. Lyra, do you go sit with the boys, or do you, uh, she doesn't really point you in their direction, so you could just sit at any table, or if you want to sit sit at the bar and continue drinking your salt water, I guess she'll serve you more salt water. Uh, I think I would be a little interested in what's going on with the card reading, so she wouldn't okay. go right up to the table, but kind of be close by trying to see what's going on there. Okay, so, so if Lyra's looking over at the card reading, um, you can tell that he's basically finished up with the with the townsperson that he was doing the reading for. And so he's kind of, you know, stacking his deck back up. He's sitting in the corner, he lights another candle, and he kind of he sits in the corner with his with his fingers tapping each other and he kind of waits for another person to come up to him. Are you guys still talking or does do you guys take notice of this as well? I don't think I'd be taking notice of it. I think Matsumbe would would immediately launch into some rhetoric about Phrasma and be um, be talking to Ikmer basically beyond where Ikmer would be comfortable on the subject. <laughs> Ikmer's like, what's Phrasma? <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm kind of picturing this as uh talking to a brick wall. Or having a That's, brick wall talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> or well, the type of uh, the type of responses that you're getting from Ike yeah. are definitely uh, very short and not very deep. That's mm -hmm. for sure. But seeing the uh, the cards, uh, or I guess the man in the corner with uh, being done with the town folk, he would probably be extremely uh, cautious and shy, but be at the same time drawn to the uh, the cloaked figure. So I imagine Ikmer probably gets up from the table and he's kind of, he's, he's side-eyeing this guy, but he moves a little bit closer and the guy can tell immediately what Ikmer's doing. And he says, Young boy, what are you doing over there? 
Come over here. You need to come sit and have this. You need to have the experience of a herald reading. Is this your first time in Ravengrow? Yes. Your first time. I could be your first young man. Uh, uh, okay. For herald readings, of course. Yeah, uh, I, I guess, uh... Okay, come, uh, come, come sit down then. Okay. And, uh, yeah, Ikmer, uh, shuffles over and, uh, quickly, uh, pulls it, uh, pulls the seat out and jumps in the seat. Oh, you are a very shy boy, aren't you? Now, what is your name? Uh, uh, my name is Ikmer, uh, but pretty much everybody calls me Ick, uh, based on, you know, my face. Ah, uh, yes, but who are you, Ikmer? Why don't we find out? And so the man draws a deck of cards that he had been waiting patiently for somebody to come, to come let him perform his, his harrowing. And he says, before we do so, I do need a copper, Ikmer. Uh, oh. Okay, okay. I can see that you're just a boy. I will start the tab for you, okay? Okay. Matumbe yeah. will walk up and, and says, my, my friend, if, if you want this man to peer into your past to tell you about your future, that is not something that I would be interested in, but we are friends on this journey for Professor Laura Moore's funeral. I will lend you the copper piece. Uh, uh, th- thank you. Thank you, but uh, uh, I'd rather rather not be in your debt. There is no debt in this life. Oh, okay. I'm not sure exactly. That is a weird thing to say, large man. Coming from a harrower. Well, uh, you know, maybe someday I could get uh, get a reading from you. Maybe tonight. <laughs> Perfect. So, so, uh, so the man pulls out the deck of cards, and um, and I imagine Ikmer is staring pretty intently at uh, at the deck. This deck is actually the cards look kind of beautiful. There's like this silver foil on the back of them, and you can see they have this beautiful sapphire eye on the back of them. They look like. No cards you've ever seen. I don't even know if Ikmer's seen cards to begin with. He seems like a pretty, pretty poor, depraved kid. He's, he's probably been been played a few times. Okay, uh, so he's probably he's, he's one of those kids that's uh, been gambling with the other uh, other kids on the street corner for scraps. Yeah. Okay. And then probably lost it based on the fact that he couldn't follow the 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 ball underneath the cups type of type of sort. So. Um, the man reaches down to his deck and hands it over to Ikmer and has Ikmer draw a card. What does your card say, boy? Uh, uh it says the, the beating. Ah, the beating. That does not bode well for you, Ikmer. The beating is a foreboding card. An assault from all sides, if you will. Ikmer, I can tell. I've seen your face. You have been beat before, have you not? Uh, yeah. That, that's very true, to be honest. Uh, uh, that's, that's pretty much how I made, uh, uh, 
my mother uh, money on the side, and uh, she 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 kind of takes it all from me. But uh, I, you know, she she's happy, and and we're a we're a happy family. Oh, you seem like a happy family, Ikmar. I too like to get beat in my family familial matters. Now, what I have to say to you is not good news. You see, the beating represents not only the beating of the of the body, but also the beating of the soul. And I worry for you, Ikmar, because the man that you, the boys that you currently are may not reflect the man that you become. Uh, uh, okay, what, what does that mean? And as the harrower explains, his voice fades, and the sounds of a jeering crowd grow louder as the scene turns to a large crowd. As we progress through the crowd, it opens into a circle of spectators surrounding combat between two figures. One figure is a menacing Sarni man who relentlessly assaults his half-orc adversary. The crowd chants, Beat the beast! Beat the beast! Blows rain down on the half-orc, but he refuses to retaliate. It seems he's immovable, yet the all-out assault from the Sarni man leaves the attacker more and more fatigued. Why won't you fall? He huffs. Igmer remains silent absorbing punch after punch, unflinching and unmoving. Finally, the exhausted Zarni pulls out a dagger and slides it between the half-orc's ribs. He falls to the ground, writhing in pain, and the crowd erupts in cheers. The Zarni is handed a coin purse, and the crowd quickly disperses. Ikmer's mother looms over him with fresh coin of her own. Get up and clean yourself off, or you'll go to bed without dinner. She spits at him before stepping over his pitiful frame and leaving him in the dirt. Ikmer lays for what seems like hours before a figure emerges from the darkness. A strong-looking woman with bright yellow eyes and wild black hair emerges and approaches the wounded man. She props his stiff body up and forces a vial of liquid down his throat. I know what it is to be born the monster boy, she says. You may think of it as a curse in this moment but it can become a great blessing if you let it into your heart. Ikmer, you were born with strength in your blood. Do not let these foolish villagers use you for entertainment. Ik feels his wounds heal, and as he struggles to gain his feet, the woman turns and walks away. She looks back and smiles a toothy smile at him. I do hope our paths cross again, monster. Just then, her shape morphs into that of a large black wolf as she bounds into the woods. Ick looks up into the inky black sky, and he hears the sound of howls echoing in the distance. And we fade back to the scene at the bar, and Ickmer has had his harrow read. And the man looks kind of weakened. He, and, and Ickmer, as you, were, as you were having this flashback with him... You could see in the moment that the man wasn't full of parlor tricks, and he he wasn't doing this for coin. He could see a part of you, and I feel like that probably scares you. Oh yes, uh, absolutely. So, I mean, it, he was trying to act small before, uh, 
And now he's, he's like, definitely <laughs> trying. Like he's trying really, really hard now. Uh, probably like clenching his uh, clenching his uh, broken spear and uh, oh, his no shield. weapons at the bar. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, sorry. And, <laughs> so, then puts it, and then puts it down uh, hurriedly. Uh, doesn't want to, definitely doesn't want to cause trouble, but. Uh... Okay. So as this is happening, you can. Uh, are you two, uh, Lyra and Eclipse, are you both still at the bar? Is that what we. I would have. Um, Eclipse would have probably slowly kind of walked over to watch the new reading happen. So you see that. The man he just did, or the boy he just did a reading for, for is kind of like shaking as he as he walks away. And yeah, I think I think Eclipse is uh, has a sick enough mind where that would probably interest her. Oh, she is highly interested. In fact, she will put down she puts down the hood of her cloak, and you see just her kind of gray, sickly skin and the jet black hair come out, and she sits down and she's like, "My turn." Well, well, aren't you a sight? What exactly are you, dear? Uh, I've been told I'm a Wyang. And what exactly have you been told that is? Because I have never seen something like you in all my days. I... I'm from the other side of the... The other continent. Across the... The big north. So my family took a journey, is what they think, and I was found by the side. And that's what they say I am. I'm not really sure. I don't remember much from before. Well, you're not giving me much to go off of to do this reading, young lady. But I do believe in my powers. Because a hero would not be a hero without a true heroer. And so he reaches the deck over to you. And hands you a card. Now, what what is it that you've drawn? I've drawn the Eclipse. Ah, and did you not tell me your name was Eclipse? I don't think I told you this. Maybe I just knew then. Isn't that weird that you would draw the exact card of your birth name? She eyes him very suspiciously. Also, by the way, Griffith's actually giving us real physical cards with these on them. Like, props there. Yeah, that is that is actually happening right now. You know, I try my best over here. I'm working for coppers, for Christ's sake. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the... Um, take some pictures of the cards and throw them up on the <laughs> Instagram. Throw them up. Um, so he says, uh, the, the eclipse does not have a happy meaning either. You saw the boy leave, the boy before you. His card was not a happy meaning, and I do not believe yours is. For the eclipse represents the loss of your path, the loss of your faith, the loss of your purpose. I do believe you've lost one of these three things already. Maybe your path? Did you lose your path to make it to Ustalav? Uh, I made it here, okay, I'm here. So, probably not that one, I guess. Are you sure? Is your family here? 
No. Ah, and how did you lose them? I don't... I don't remember. Ah, the eclipse. And as the harrower reiterates the meaning of the eclipse, a voice fades in. Eclipse! Eclipse! Are you paying attention? A silver-haired man waves his hand in front of a small doll-like figure in an attempt to get her attention. I need to gather a few things for your mother. Please watch her for a few minutes and alert me if her condition changes. In the bed in front of the Wyang girl is an unconscious middle-aged woman. Her shallow breaths make a ragged sound as her chest rises and falls. The man leaves the room, and within minutes, the woman in bed's eyes fly open. Eclipse, listen to me, she rasps. It, it's my time, dear. I'm so sorry I couldn't stay by your side longer. I love you. With a final gasp, the woman's chest becomes still. Eclipse shuts her mother's eyes, stands over her, and concentrates. Suddenly, a shimmering gray mist escapes the dead woman's mouth and coalesces around the Wyan girl's hands. The girl grasps a bell hanging from her side and starts ringing it over the corpse of her mother. Flash forward, and a coffin is being lowered into the earth. The gray-haired man sobs and holds his daughter's hand. Nearly all the mourners shed tears, all save for Eclipse. Honey, aren't you upset? We've lost your mother. She's gone. She's never gone, Dad. She'll always be with me. Upon saying this, the bell on Eclipse's side begins ringing and ringing and ringing. And we fade back to the bar. And gosh, this this harrower looks ragged right now. And he's like, I've seen some shit in my day. I've seen... I'm gonna do it. I'm doing your dad. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen some shit in my day. I've seen a, a very lot of it, but Jesus Christ, you guys and your backstories. <laughs> <laughs> Creative. <laughs> and and so so I imagine Eclipse pays him his copper or whatever he asked for, and um, likely leaves the table. And Matumbe has at. Have you been standing over this table yes. the whole time, just kind of like <laughs> sidled up to the harrow table, just not saying a word? Standing over the table like a seven foot tall, over 300 pound man. Like one, or that's I mean, what Motube is? I mean, that's exactly what he is. Okay. That's just a visual for you. Okay. You there, big man, would you like to sit down? You seem to be. Surveying my wares. Are you not entertained? Do you not think I will be able to see something in you? I hesitate to take readings from people who believe that they can see into the future, for the future is not written. Well, the future may not be written, but I do know a lady. And she lives in the middle of a spiral, and she knows the future. And she knows the past. You know this woman. And he arches an eyebrow. Please sit, and I will tell you what she has to say about you. I will sit. So Matumbe sits down, and the man passes him yet another card. 
What what do you have there? The Inquisitor. Ah, the Inquisitor, huh? And what do you think of that, Motunde? I would say that this is an appropriate card. A surprising one to pull from an entire deck. Ah, Faith, she is a funny thing, but the Lady of Graves does work in mysterious ways, does she not? This is a point I will not argue. But let's, uh... Let's figure out what the Inquisitor means. You can see the man. Oh, he looks like a white version of you. He's carrying a book much like yours. Indeed. And much like you, he shares some similar ideals. The Inquisitor represents an immutable object that cannot be deceived or influenced. A man resolute in his faith, who cannot be swayed by outward influences. Do you think that describes you, Motumbe? Undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. And as the Harrow Reader continues to explain Motumbe's card, we fade to black and enter on darkness. The smell of smoke and the heat of the jungle are ever-present as we see a large Mwangi man jump out of his bed with a start. Then the screams begin. Motumbe bursts through his hut door, nearly tearing it off as he rushes onto the scene. Many of the surrounding huts of his village are ablaze, their thatched roofs casting an orange glow over the panic. He can hear a familiar voice cry out to him from the distance, broken by sobs. Uh, our daughter, she screams. Something has taken her into the jungle. Mutumbe pauses for a brief moment to comfort his wife and wrap their boys in his arms before letting go and silently hustling into the jungle after the unseen intruder. He follows the trail of disturbed undergrowth that soon becomes a path of blood. A clearing forms up ahead, and the sounds of combat ring clear in the odd silence of the jungle. Motumbe skirts to the side of the clearing, hoping to catch his village's unknown assailant off guard when the clearing is suddenly illuminated by a flash of holy light. A pained voice rings out in the night. The Lady of Graves bids your destruction, vile abomination. Without thinking, Matumbe rushes to the sound or the source of the sound and finds a woman clutching her neck with one hand and holding a limp body of a child with the other. Across the clearing, he can barely make out the shadow of a figure hit the ground and then dissolve into mist. He rushes to the woman, who falls to her knees and then slumps to her side. Cradling her head in his hands, he realizes her throat has been mortally gashed, and she gasps up at him. The book. Bury me as it says in the book. The Lady of Graves is waiting for me. Motumbe reaches to the woman's side and produces a large iron-bound book emblazoned with a spiral made of bones. And we fade back into the tavern. And Motumbe remembers this scene. And he remembers it as the start of his journey with Phrasma. And I think he maybe realizes that this man isn't full of shit. Yeah, it, it, with that cut back, it, I, I imagine that maybe the camera is right up on his face and it is completely immovable. Uh, he's, he's like a stony complexion. Like he, he's staring directly at the man like the man has peered into his very soul. 
So does Matumbe walk away finally? <laughs> yeah, that's that's enough for him. He he sees that this man is not full of shit, and he does not want to experience any more of that. And I think before Lyra can really do anything at the bar, I, I know she's she's likely watching this unfold from the bar. I think the the harrower points to her and kind of gives her the the come here fi- finger and beckons her over to the table. She'll kind of like look around, make sure it's actually her. And uh, <laughs> who else is at the bar but me? Yeah. The bartender? You want her? Uh, and then she'll make her way over uh, to the harrower. Okay. So she makes it to the harrower and he tells her, uh, I've been waiting for you to come here in, in particular. You see, you seem to have something of an aura about you. I'm not sure I can place it, but I've I've been dying to to read your future. You seem to have great power. I I know one day I'll end up at the ocean, but uh, if you could help me figure out my path, that would be great. Why would you think that you'd end up in the, at the ocean, girl? I just know. It's just intuition. Ah, well, you seem to be a fish out of water here. And he reaches over to his deck and hands you a card. What is it you have there? The Tangled Briar. Ah, the Tangled Briar. That represents something from your past. Maybe it is a thing or a creature that will have some influence on you. Can you remember such a thing? There there was a time in my life where there was a presence, but I I was so young, I I don't remember much of it. I think I've blocked it out, but I do have nightmares. They've been getting worse. And as Lyra talks to the harrower, we zoom into her eyes. And as we zoom back out, the face staring at us is of a much younger child. We move further from Lyra and see she's sitting atop an altar within a half-submerged cavern. Between the altar, bodies float on the surface of the black water, some man and others horrible scaly abominations from the sea. As we pan out further still, we see the cause of the carnage. A party of four adventurers wades waist-deep towards a child. Among their ranks are an aging man carrying a book of spells, a silver fox with a lute and a bow, a younger magic user apprenticed to the elder, and a middle-aged paladin, his resplendent silver armor shimmering in the unnatural light of the cavern. As the men approach, the paladin calls to Lyra. Come, child, we're here to rescue you from this cursed place. Upon hearing this, Lyra's head snaps back. Those once clear blue eyes appear to fill with a black ichor, and her mouth opens as if to let out a scream. Instead, we hear a beautiful yet otherworldly song echo off the dripping walls. The music coming from Lyra is both melodic and discordant. It sounds too deep to be coming from such a small child and quickly begins to harmonize with itself, almost as if Lyra had the voices of multiple people inside her. 
The paladin peers around at his companions as they begin to cry. He watches as the tears of his friends turn to blood, chumming the water beneath them. Without hesitating, he charges toward the child, and the water seems to part in his wake. His hands crackle with holy light as he embraces the child, and her song subsides. Tentacles erupt from the once placid water as the paladin whispers into the girl's ear, I vow to protect you until the end, Lyra. And we fade back. And Lyra... I don't know how your character is feeling, but she she kind of felt this scene unfold. So tell me a little bit. Yeah, so I think all of the color would just kind of drain out of her already very pale face. Um, and she just looks completely shocked as one of her nightmares got brought in to like actual memory and kind of pieced it together a little bit more. It makes... Uh, some of her visions and her sights seem more real and not just uh, dreams of a child. And so the harrower can see that, you know, Lyra looks a little more frazzled than even the rest of you. And he says, is this something you've seen before, child? Yes, I thought it was just dreams, bad dreams from, you know, stories around the campfire. But now I wonder if Maybe the other things I've seen have been real, too. Uh, this is always the question we have us with the gift. I think you may have this gift, Lyra. And he grabs your card from your hands and puts it with the rest of the deck. He shuffles it once, twice, and then he slides it back across the table to you. And he says, I have many sets of these hero cards. They help me attune my powers. I do believe you should have this set. Take it with you and hone the divination that I know that you possess. Thank you. I'll, I'll practice every day. I'll make sure I, I master the skill. Ah. Uh, well, you will try. You'll never be good as me, though. And with that, um, the man gets up from the table. And as he gets up, the candles on that side of the room go out. And as he's passing you, Lyra, he whispers, You can call me A. If you ever need me, just write something down and it will get to me. And he leaves the bar. <laughs> uh, thank you, Steve, with the signscape. Killing it tonight. So, you guys, uh, you guys are, you've all been through this weird experience, and I think you've all seen each other go to this guy and come back, like, feeling different. Um, so, do your characters talk to each other? I, I know Matumbe and, um, and Nickmer have chatted a little bit. Nickmer's probably looking for some less intelligent conversation. <laughs> are, are, are we back to the same table? Because we could be sitting uh, at the same yeah, table saying nothing. Probably. Uh, is reading. Yeah, I'm just, I got the book in front of me, honestly. Reading Ik and drinking. Ikmir would uh, like, kind of look around, make sure like no one else like heard all of that. He's pretty sad, like ashamed that it happened. 
Uh, even though I guess like it wasn't his fault, but yeah. uh, still wants to make sure like no one else uh, heard it. But and then probably change the subject to uh, I don't know shiny things that he sees. Shiny things. <laughs> I love all the things you have seen today I love in this bar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, what about what about uh, Eclipse? I'm sorry, Eclipse, Eclipse would probably actually go up to the two of you guys, and especially Ick, because Ick was before her, and uh, ask, did, did you see stuff too? I saw, I saw so many things. Uh, 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 I, I don't know quite what you're talking about. Uh, uh, he, he just... Uh, told me uh, about the weather and stuff. Bluff check. Uh, yeah, okay. First roll like podcast. That's going to be a bluff check, Ikmer. Natty 19. Oh, God. 21 total. And what? I sense motive? Yeah, you got a sense motive. Got a plus zero to this. I got 18. Ooh. Dang. So, uh, you're... You kind of get the gist that well, okay, maybe, maybe that happened. You're not sure, but you think, yeah, yeah, maybe they talked weather. Maybe that kid's really afraid of the weather. Well, my experience is a little different, but tell me yours about was your experience. Hello. Hello. Was your experience a vision? My experience was something I would not believe. It was intensely personal. Something that only someone there could have remembered. But yet, this man in front of me was able to conjure it in both his and my mind. Okay, so it wasn't just in my head. Like, that happened to you too. It did. And though this was events that happened many years ago, it frightens me to this day. Eclipse kind of breathes up. Like, Thank goodness. It's not just me, because she's worried, like, she just went off on her She own. just had a... Had a yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was really worried about that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I think at this point, Lyra would have maybe overheard a little bit of your conversation, and after shuffling through the cards a couple more times, she'd come over and just say, Wow, that guy had some real abilities. That was pretty cool. Our fates are not sealed. What you saw was the past, but... The man spoke of knowing the Lady of Graves. I'm not sure if you are familiar, but she is the patron that I follow. The Lady of Graves, Phorasma, is the one who judges us at the end of this life and welcomes us into the next. I believe that this man has some sort of communication with her and is able to divine certain things because of it. Are you talking about gods? Because I'm not, my mommy and dad said not to listen about that. I am. (laughs) And though you may not care about the divine, the divine certainly cares about you. Hickmer is uh, just staring at the cards that, uh, was laid out on the table and is halfway like scared of them, but can't look away. Yeah, they are. I mean, again, Igmar being a poor boy, these these cards are pretty special looking cards. 
and shiny. Yeah. And How shiny. come the cards that you gave us don't have silver foil on them, Griffin? If I was a rich boy, then I'd have shiny hero cards for you. If I was a wealthy boy, <laughs> that explain it. Yes, thanks. And if we had advertisers, that we—that's where we would cut for commercial. <laughs> <laughs> if I had blue apron. <laughs> okay, so, um, so are you guys all like talking to each other at this point, and maybe like. Hey, you know. Also, yeah, I saw a weird thing. My name's Batumbe. <laughs> you guys are kind of blunt with your. Did you see a vision? Oh, me too. I think he talks to Phrasma. I, I, <laughs> hey, I honestly, hey. I don't think you would have even thought about it. She would have just been like, like seriously, like, did you see that shit? Like, I'm okay. worried about myself. Okay. Maybe after she would have calmed down a little bit and said, like, my name is Eclipse. You can call me E. I think it's uh, I think it's funny that we have water, water, salt water, and one alcoholic beverage on a podcast where all of us are actively drinking. <laughs> yeah, I'm a couple deep right now. <laughs> <laughs> Our so, characters are so pure right now. So pure for the moment. Yeah, Matumbe doesn't imbibe. He, doesn't uh, imbibe. No, he does not. No, uh, he just puffs. <laughs> no, <laughs> Matumbe the magic dragon. Cliffs might not be familiar with ale, but she sure's heck gonna like try this new experience every time. Yeah, I wonder how many <laughs> how many it takes like a thirty pound uh, being to get drunk. How many not is she deep? Uh, one, <laughs> probably one. But like you know, imagine when the hobbits uh, in Lord of the Rings ordered their first drink and it's like giant. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. Her right now. I was thinking volume would just surpass all. <laughs> Right. Yeah, she's like stuffed with ale. They gave her the bartender gave her a thimble actually. <laughs> okay, so um you guys know in the in the notes that you got from Kendra, uh Professor Lorimore's daughter, that um you should probably spend the night here. And she said that she would settle up the expenses with uh the bartender, the owner of the inn. Um so you guys are pretty much free and clear. If you go up and show her like your letter from Kendra, she'll she'll get you a room. Does that mean my ale is discounted now? But yeah, you never showed her your uh, your thing. She just like flips you a copper back, and she's like, "All right, you should have you should have showed me the note." Awesome. Also, does uh, did Lyra have to pay by like the tablespoon for the salt? Is this like a? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> It's a copper and a half. Salt's free. <laughs> so are you guys uh, continuing to chat or are you going up to bed? Well, based on the fact that uh, Ikmer can get free free drinks based on the note, he would get like every drink possible because it was free. Every like so she gets, she makes you a, the pathfinder, the Galarian equivalent of a soda pop. <laughs> Something she like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, this is a good stuff. This is a uh, artisanal root beer. Yeah, and he would drink it incredibly fast, based on like he has clearly never had this before, but he is ingesting it like his life depends on it. Igmer's like eating. He's ordering food and he's getting <laughs> soda, and he's he's like yeah. a kid, he's like a kid at a sleepover. He's just like gorging himself. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Drool, yeah, drooling everywhere. Drooling everywhere. Gosh. 
Lear Who's this gassy kid at the bar? <laughs> Lear would definitely be hanging out at the bar too, just kind of watching all of this unfold, continuing to just drink her salt water, but conversing here and there in between bites and gulps of oh, her beer. Yeah, Ikmer would definitely talk with his mouth full. So. All right, let's do some Foley work. Make it happen. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not good radio. <laughs> that, that not good radio. radio. Make some mouth noises, please. <laughs> okay, yeah. so uh, so Lyra's talking to Ick. Mutumbe's... Mutumbe is with with this group um, and participating in conversation, but he's not eating, he's not drinking anything except for his water. He has his big ironbound book open in front of him, and he's reading it. Um, in between responding to questions and asking people things. And you'll also see that he is scribbling in the margins, like writing notes. And it's in a language that most, if not all of you, don't understand. It looks like scribbles. But it means something. Polygot. Oh, okay. The language of the Mwangi expanse. That's right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I know a few languages, so I wanted to double check. Okay. So you guys, you know, it's getting late. You guys are chatting and the conversation kind of dies because you have a dude sitting in between you just like reading and drinking water like a fucking <laughs> idiot. Wow. <laughs> you have, you have wow, a kid really. like literally with a belly ache, like, oh, I don't feel so good. You have a girl that's consumed like a metric ton of salt. And then you have this drunk Yang that's had like two beers. Eclipse is probably like pretty much wasted at this point. <laughs> All right, so are you guys going to bed? Is that the the vibe I'm starting to get? Ikmer with a tummy full of root beer, you know? Oh, he's cracking open another he's cracking root beer. open a new root beer. <laughs> is, is that a root beer, uh, Brooks? Is it? Yep. Hard. Oh, oh, definitely still white claw. Oh, okay, okay. Just, just checking. Just checking. Yes. All right, so um, white claw, please sponsor us. <laughs> Jeez. So you guys At least to, I'm subtle with my hands product placement. Yeah, subtlety has never been any of our strong suits, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, well, when you just have a delicious beer from the land of sky blue waters. Uh, Look, we just want our booze paid for. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Try it. <laughs> please. Please. Vladdy daddy. Give it to me. Okay, so you guys all basically had to bed. You know your rooms are paid for, so that's good. If you're Ikmer and have zero money. Um, so you wake up in the morning and... And this morning is uh, <laughs> is the morning of the funeral. So how appropriate you'd be <laughs> awoken by a cheerful rooster sitting on the per- on a perch outside of the Outward Inn. Um, so you guys get up and you gather your bearings. Um, you probably bump into each other at the hall in the hallway or enjoying your nice continental breakfast provided by <laughs> the uh, bartender at the Outward Inn who's been awake since you went to bed. But I'm going to assume since you all met last night and you did chat and you all know that you're here for the funeral that you probably leave for uh, Casa de Loramore together. 
Yeah, I imagine so. And yeah, Matumbe is wearing exactly what he wore yesterday. This is his garb for fighting in. This is his garb for praying in. This is his garb for basically everything. Well, it's funny you say that. Uh, Ikmer doesn't have any other uh, change of clothes. So, uh, so it's his garb for fighting in. It's his garb for praying. <laughs> exactly. Okay, so uh, you guys head down basically the main drag in Raven Grow. And uh, you pass a couple of not impressive-looking buildings. It's kind of a small town, but you know it immediately when you get to Professor Lorimore's house. It's kind of an imposing, gothic-inspired building. It's kind of like a McMansion. It's not overly huge, but it's definitely too big for Lorimore and just his daughter to be living there. So I assume, like, one of you is in front and probably knocks on the door. I'll go ahead and knock on the door. Okay, so Matumbe knocks on the door. (laughs) Okay. Sirenscape on point today. Oh, yeah. That's all all them. Um, So Matumbe knocks on the door, and he's, you know, you kind of hear, like, some shuffling behind the door, and this kind of frazzled-looking woman opens the door and she looks a little more frazzled than she does in this picture but you guys can take a look that's um that's professor Lorimore's daughter Kendra she's um she's about 25 she's got dark brown hair she's pretty she's not like drop dead gorgeous or anything but you're like oh for being an old wizard's daughter you're kind of all right uh, <laughs> not really a first time. Right. Not really a first time. So you guys, I'm assuming, introduce yourself. Kendra opens the door and she's like, oh, oh, hi. Um, are, are you guys here for the funeral? My lady Kendra, I am sorry for your loss. My name is Matumbe. I am here to dig the grave. Oh, okay. M- Matumbe, was it? Yes. Matumbe... I'm gonna need you to. Um, I'm gonna need you to head to the gravesite. Uh, we're burying him today. I don't know if you got the memo, but you're supposed to be out in the restlands. Hopefully, digging this grave that my dad's supposed to go in. I'd invite you in, but you really have to go. I will take my leave. Okay, so Matumbe kind of after he knocks on the door and is like. Hi, I'm here for the party. Walks right back down the street. And she, she, she points you in the right direction of the rest land, so. How, how long do you think that's going to take? Like, am I back soon? Am I back? I mean, you're, uh, you're an able-bodied Shaquille O'Neal. I think yep. digging a like, six-foot deep hole, probably. 10, 15 I mean, minutes. Pound <laughs> <laughs> it out. Tops. Tops. Matumbe the dump yeah, truck. Roll a profession. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, roll a profession grave digger. Did I? I thought I, I. No, I don't think I took that. Unfortunately, I don't think. I, yeah, <laughs> that, that, that common profession. Yeah. Okay, so so Matumbe heads off. Um, the rest of you. Kendra seems kind of curious. She's never really met. She might have met you, Lyra, maybe in passing, but she really doesn't remember you much because uh, really her dad was more interested in all of you, and um, so she basically asks. So. I I think you are the the four that my dad had left in in kind of his last will to invite 
to his funeral. I, I didn't know any of you very well. There's a, there's a couple of other people that I invited, but I had met them before. So who are you guys? How do you know my dad? My name's Lyra. I think we've maybe met before, but it was a long time ago. Your father saved me uh, a long time ago from a cult and has been helping me tame my nightmares and keep them under control. Oh, um, you've been to the house before, I think. A, f- a few times, but not super recently. Well, well, welcome back. L- Lyra, was it? Yes. Okay, it's it's great to meet you again, I guess. Please come in. Please, all of you, all of you, please come in and tell me a little bit about yourselves. Um, Eclipse, again, takes off that cloak and uh, very aggressively kind of shoves her hand out at her and says, Hello. I am Eclipse, or E. I didn't know your father, but my dad, my dad adventured with him. Who, who is your dad? Uh, Burnett. Uh, oh, oh, you, you, you don't look like Burnett. I, I was adopted. I, I can tell. Um, so, so Burnett was your dad. Do, do you know how to play, play music? Uh, not, not really. I wasn't really taught that. Oh, I, I just would have thought uh, Bernard's daughter would have, you know, he, he just loved that loot he had. I remember when I was a kid, he used to, he used to come visit my dad and he would, he would play this loot and it was the most beautiful music. Yeah. He used to, he used to play that so that I could go to sleep. I'd like to not talk about this anymore. Thank you. Oh, okay. Um, just wanted to share memories about my dad, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and who are you? Um, you seem like you're a little young to have known my dad. He was kind of an older guy. Well, uh, I I just know your dad. Uh, well, we were traveling together, or I guess. I was uh, part of the caravan uh, that he was riding with one day, and uh, I, you know, we we kind of happened upon a pack of wolves, and uh, you know, just helped him out when uh, when I when I could, and uh, protected him a little bit. It's it was really no big deal, but he was really nice to me, and uh, that's that's what I remember the most about him. And not really too many other people are, so it was it was pretty a it was a big deal to me. Oh, I'm I'm so glad my dad could could be that person for you. What what did you say your name was? Oh, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, my name my name is Ikmer, but uh, you can call me Ick for short. Do you do you like being called Ick? Uh, uh. You know that that's just kind of what everyone else calls me, so so I go along with it. Uh, okay, Ick, I I'm really pleased to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you too. So why don't you all um come in, come in, take a seat. I have some. I don't know if you got breakfast. I know I know I paid for the continental breakfast, but that. That was my sister upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Sirenscape, what are you doing? Um, 
But um, if you still... <laughs> I tried changing it up to uh, the old piano just started playing by itself. <laughs> and uh, that had more people than piano than I expected. Yeah, that didn't, didn't quite sound like a piano. All my pianos sound like that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk off air. <laughs> so I don't know if you, if you had breakfast, but if if you're still hungry, I have some snacks, like hors d'oeuvres and some, some drinks if you want to want to sit down in the parlor. Eclipse is still feeling like slightly hungover and is weighed down for snacks. Way down for snacks. So you guys go to the parlor, Matumbe. Um, I assume they're going to spend some time in the parlor. We'll see you come back like an hour later, right? Yeah, sure. Before, you know, the, I wouldn't call them festivities. <laughs> the the um, funeral procession begins. So. Well, like I said, if it takes 10 minutes for Shaquille O'Neal to dig a grave and, you know, it takes 25 minutes to walk out, 25 minutes to walk back, an hour sounds about right. You know what? We'll uh, we'll uh, reach out to Shaquille O'Neal and ask him. Yeah, I feel hey, like Shaq, that's appropriate. You ever killed somebody? <laughs> you ever dug a grave? I'm it sure could be we'll shallow, get a response. I just need yeah. a rough estimate. Definitely, we'll get a response very quickly. You know, yeah, Shaq, Shaq's gonna come back with his media manager. Like, you can't portray me in this light. <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, not want to talk like this. <laughs> yeah, I could see where that would be a problem for the podcast. <laughs> So, uh, Matumbe, uh, I saved you a plate of hors d'oeuvres, but uh, I, I kind of ate them all. Thank you for saving me the plate. <laughs> I am glad that I filled up in the continental breakfast. All right, so so you guys have, have had your fill of snacks. You've chatted maybe a little bit with Kendra, but she's kind of attending to some other guests that have arrived, so she's not... You know, she was interested in who you guys are, but she she's definitely got a lot on her plate today. So she does kind of enter the parlor and say, "Everybody, everybody that's in here, um, we're we're about to start the procession. My my dad's coffin is outside. Do you guys know who wants to be a pallbearer? I need six. E." Um, I'm sorry, you you're a little small if we if we try and balance the sides. I don't I don't know that it would be comfortable for you. E very sadly puts her hand down. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh so if you guys want to volunteer to be pallbearers, you may. There um there there are a couple other people here. The professor was a relatively popular guy. You met him in a bunch of different situations in a bunch of different lands, so He's he's got a lot of acquaintances and friends that showed up for this. Um, I mean, not over the top, but there's a decent amount of people for it being a small village in Ustalav. Whoa, so, Sirenscape. It's coming in big two minutes into the play run. So, <laughs> so you guys go outside and you see this coffin. You see the, the spots for pallbearers. Kendra takes the lead. Uh, it's tradition in Uslav, which Motumbe probably knows, being a worshiper of Phrasma, for the for the closest family member to kind of lead the funeral procession to the grave. Mm-hmm. And, but, and and I will volunteer as a as a pallbearer. Pall yeah. Okay, so Matumbe takes up, call it the um, 
Well, you're a big guy, so you'd probably be in the middle just yeah. so that you don't offset it to one side. That's, that's a fair point. And based on that, I would uh, I would assume, or I not assume, but Ikmer would volunteer to offset that height difference on the other side. And before before Ikmer volunteers for that side, you feel a kind of gauntlet hold your shoulder and you you hear whoa there young man hold I'll take the other side for this man and you see this man in resplendent armor and Lyra looks over and it's her dad and he's he's come to the funeral to pay his respects to Laura Moore uh, he's six foot six more than a match for I guess he's a little shorter than Matimbe, but, but I think he could he could offset his height difference. So he says, "What's your name, boy?" Uh, uh, I, I'm Ick. Ick, you should stay closer to the front. Uh, you wouldn't be able to see over me, would you? But uh, no, I I guess not. No. <laughs> You're a good lad. And so Ickmer, you you probably take the. It, Say Matumbe is on the right side in the middle. Lyra's dad's going to be on the left side in the middle, and then Igmer will be on the top left, basically. And so you see, Lyra, are you are you? Lyra would definitely volunteer as well, so wherever Le- she can help. Lyra, uh, you could probably go o- opposite side of Igmer. I know you're not that tall, but I think we got two dudes in the middle, probably bearing most of the weight of the coffin. So yeah. And Ikmer probably wouldn't let it fall. Yeah, I'm like a normal sized yeah, human true. female, so yeah. not not super tall. So, Ikmer's only six foot, so it's I wouldn't be that not, much shorter. Yeah, than it's not that big absurdly difference. tall. So you take opposite of Ikmer, and behind the two tall boys, you see uh, a man kind of decked in in scholarly robes, and Lyra, you kind of recognize him. And he he takes up the spot behind your dad. And behind Motumbe, you see this strong kind of she she's put herself together woman. And she grabs the, the rear right and you guys pick the professor off the ground and you begin kind of the slow journey. Uh, Matumbe could tell you it's. It's kind of a hike to where mm-hmm. the professor is going to be buried. And so as you enter the Restlands, which is what they call their cemetery in this town, um, there's actually a like a Phrasman church. So this is a Phrasma run cemetery. So you enter through what's called the Eversleep, and it's a path near the top of the, the Restlands. Um, so you guys can see, I, I've drawn a map of the Restlands, foreboding. Only the players around the table can see. The people at home can. Well, yeah, see. no, I'm, I'm saying you guys is in you, <laughs> use guys at the table, not use guys yeah. listening to me. How's it is that? The uh, northern, right. the northernmost road. That, so just know, uh, um, comes in for for the folks at home that that aren't used to maps. I'm going to describe this map to my players and. Generally, a normal map is drawn in five-foot increments. Yeah, it, I, I got to stop you here. 
I don't see a compass rose here. I have Thank no you. sense of direction. There's no compass North, rose. North, south, east, west. What? <laughs> Is that how I yeah. looked at it that, that way? <laughs> This just takes me out of the narrative. So, oh, <laughs> just have another drink. <laughs> so, the way the way maps are drawn in in Pathfinder and in Dungeons and Dragons are in five foot squares, uh, and usually a player occupies a, fi- a single five foot square. The way this map has been drawn, because it's such a big area, is that each square represents twenty feet. So these people are uh, these guys are actually going to be hiking a decent distance to the final burial of Professor Lorimore. They're probably hiking about 200 to 300 feet with this coffin. So as they enter the restlands, you guys can see that it's this, it's a very pristine graveyard. It's well-kempt. The, the stones that you see are all in perfect order. The grass is trimmed. The mausoleums, as you enter... Through the Eversleep, the mausoleums to your left are all in perfect condition. The gates in front of them are oiled. Steve, as a worshiper of Phrasma, you or as Matumbe, as a worshiper of Phrasma, would probably be pretty impressed by by this display of devotion because they're treating their dead almost better than the the buildings you saw in the in the town. Absolutely, and and as a as I'm on the right side of the casket, I'm holding the casket with my left hand. With his right hand, Matumbe draws a spiral with his finger over his heart. And you can see most of the people aside from... Well, actually, this is a good good opportunity to roll. Um, everybody oh. besides Steve, because Steve is a worshiper... Matumbe is a worshiper of Phrasma. Roll me a knowledge religion. And you can do it on train because you're... You can also do a perception. Dang, girl, throw it in throw it in the box. But it also was a natural too. Well shit. Perception, right? You can yeah, you use perception if you don't have knowledge religion. Six. A six perception. What about you, Lyra? Seven. Ooh, seven. How about Ick? Actually, uh, 19. So Ikmer, Ikmer looks around him and sees that a lot, of the, a lot of the people upon entering the graveyard are drawing the spiral on their chest as a holy symbol of Phrasma. Lyra and Eclipse don't, don't catch that. But it's, it's not a huge deal. It's just a sign of respect to the, to the dead and to the gods. So um, I, think, I think everybody... Around you would probably realize that you know you're you're not from here and you probably don't observe the same customs. Mm-hmm. So Ikmer would uh, try to replicate, but do it wrong. <laughs> he still couldn't get it after he he yep. do the spiral the wrong way. Yeah, it's like counterclockwise. Yeah. yeah, he does the he does the sign of the cross, but upside down. Oh god! <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> so you guys. Approach the restlands, and you're 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 walking by some mausoleums, and you actually see a store on the horizon. <laughs> you actually see uh, this group of dudes start walking up on you guys, and at first they they seem like they're approaching from a couple of the different paths that you can see in the in the graveyard, but. 
As they get closer, you can see they they all gather together and start walking towards you and the coffin. And, and what are what do they look like? What are they wearing? Um, they they look like kind of your average villager, like farmers and that kind of that kind of person. They're not like well clad in armor like some of you are. They they just like you'd think they were regular citizens of sure. Raven Grow. So okay. is it a bunch of like angry villagers, Frankenstein yeah. style, or no? Happy, happy, or uh, they're, uh, frustrated? Well, they're a little bit out. Make a perception check. This went so well last time. I got a six total. Natural twenty. Natty twenty, baby. First one of the podcast. I got fourteen. Ooh. Thirteen here. Okay, so everybody above ten. Not me. <laughs> can uh, can see that. The villagers are wielding they have they have like farming tools in their hands. And they as they start towards you, you guys you guys have made it a little bit further into the graveyard past the mausoleums, if you could place your I got it. Characters. So what, on the corner of Eversleep and Dreamwalk? Yep, uh the Dreamwalk. Dreamwalk. And so if one of you could place a token for Kendra in front, then we can begin. So you see these villagers approach down the path, down the dream walk. Or no, sorry, the the um, the Eversleep. Behind us or in front? In front of you. They're they're coming straight on towards you. And a man kind of in the middle of the group, so they're in a mob, these those of you with enough perception could count. There's 12 of them. And they look like they're kind of getting amped up and into a froth. And the man in front says, That's far enough. We've been talking. And we don't want Lorimore buried in the restlands. You can take him up river and bury him there if you want. But he ain't going in the ground here. And Kendra, I mean, it's her dad, and she's right in front, and she says, what are, you, what are you talking about? I arranged it with Father Grimborough. He's waiting for us. The grave has already been... And he interrupts her. You don't get it, woman. We won't have a necromancer buried in the same place as our kin. I suggest you move out while you still can. Folks are pretty upset about this right now. And does anyone want want to interject at this point, or or are you just kind of watching this unfold with Kendra? Oh yeah, without a doubt, Matumbe is going to interject. Okay, um, what do you say? Matumbe is going to say, "Sir, this is a holy ceremony. You will stand down now." And that's going to be an intimidate check. Okay. It's going to be a 21. A 21. And he falters. And, and he's, well, what, what do you know about our customs? I know quite a great deal about the Ferasmid customs. Your local customs are irrelevant. You ever had a, had a graveyard, sir? You ever, you ever buried your dead here and had a sacred place? You ever done nothing but wandering around? I have buried plenty of dead, maybe not here, 
but I have certainly buried my fair share and perhaps more than you. Okay. He's getting worked up and he didn't like you from that intimidate check. Uh oh. So I'm going to need you to roll a diplomacy. All right. Calm him back down. It's a natural 19 on the die that brings it up to a 23 with a plus four on my diplomacy. And you can see, like, the, the ringleader guy's kind of in the middle of the group yelling at you. And he's like, all right, like, I, I, I don't want any trouble from you. I understand you know, you seem to know more than me, maybe, about, uh, about the Frasman custom. But, and as he says this, the man behind him hits him with the blade of his shovel. Oh, shit. And he falls to the ground. And the what men, are you doing? And about three of the men tear from the back of the group running. They, they were afraid of what you said before, and then they just watched this retaliation happen in their own group. You guys see the guys in the front brace themselves and then start running. And before you all roll for initiative, I need everybody to finish their drinks. <sighs> because we'll see you next week. Uh. <laughs> <laughs>